0: the Wellness Journey podcast from the St. John Vianney Center. I'm Dr. Mariette Danilo, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to journey with you through these challenging times and to hopefully provide you with information that will help sustain you. Our podcasts are aimed at keeping you healthy in mind, body, and spirit. This is podcast 19. Today's podcast title is, The Power of Change and Transition. Our guest speaker is once again, Sister Mercedes McCann. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Sister Mercedes McCann currently serves in the position of Leadership Relations in Consultation, Education and Outreach for the St. John Vianney Center. In this position, Sister is a liaison to those in leadership roles in religious communities and is available to leadership for consultation, education, and group facilitation. Sister's particular focus is women's religious communities and community life. Sister was a psychotherapist for 15 years at the St. John Vianney Center and she continues to serve as a therapist in our outpatient program. Prior to coming to St. John Vianney Center, she ministered in state and county institutions for the mentally ill. For nine years, Sister Mercedes served as a formation minister for the Sisters of Mercy. Prior to that, she was the assistant superintendent for special education for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and held numerous other positions within the field of special education. She has extensive experience facilitating small and large groups for religious communities, including chapters and assemblies, as well as speaking to groups of religious in the United States, Latin America, Europe, and the Pacific Rim. On various topics concerning religious life, such as boundaries, change in transition, emotional development, and the spirituality of aging. Her particular interest is in the intersection of spirituality, ministry, community, and good mental health in religious life. Sister Mercedes is a member of the Sisters of Mercy of the Americas. She holds a doctoral degree in clinical psychology from Seton Hall University and a master's degree in psychology from Marywood University. She also completed religious studies with a concentration in sacred scripture from the St. Charles Borromeo Seminary. And now without further ado, let's listen to Sister Mercedes McCann talk about the power of change and transition.
1: Hello, my name is Sister Mercedes McCann, and I am a psychotherapist working at St. John Vianney Center in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. And I am also the leadership liaison for the Department of Consultation, Education and Outreach. This afternoon, I'd like to speak a little bit about change and transition. As you know, we are in the midst of many changes at this particular point in the life of the church, in the life of the United States, in the, in our own personal lives, and especially in the lives of many people who have experienced illness or death during this COVID-19 siege that we've had. So change is something that we're all dealing with. We have dealt with it many, many times in the past, but it seems as if there's a great deal of change and transition going on in our lives today. And that is what I'd like to speak about a little bit, just what that is. So change and transition are two different entities. Change is a situational shift. COVID-19 and all that it brings with it are part of a situational shift. It's an external event. Another example of an external event would be losing a loved one. That's a huge change when you experience a death of a loved one. Unwanted change such as COVID or the loss of a loved one confronts the illusion that we are in charge. And of course, thinking that we are in charge is the final illusion. If all we do is endure the change that's going on, it can be our nemesis. What we really want to do is to look at the change from the perspective of it being transition because transition is an internal event. So whereas if we simply endure change, if we cooperate with transition, it can be our hope. The hope is that we will get through whatever the change is that's going on and come out stronger on the other side. The manner in which we process the change that is happening and how we allow the change to seep into us and make a difference in our lives is another definition of transition. We are free to determine how we will relate to change. It can be the teacher for us, which is what happens in transition, or it can be the victor over us, which is what happens if we merely endure the change. We should not be about controlling our change, but rather managing our transition. And in order to do that, consciousness or mindfulness, as we talk about it today, is an essential ingredient. If we do not manage to transition, then our change is mechanical, superficial, and empty. And what happens is we end up where we started out, both emotionally and mentally. Nothing is really different on the inside. So the transition has not been there to cause a transformation in our lives. In the transition process, the process begins with an ending. And what we leave behind is part of ourselves, and that is also what we take forward. However, we cannot allow what we leave behind to dominate our thinking, or we will never move forward. So we have to think of the line, life is changed, not ended, which of course is something that happens when we experience a death. Transition is the way we come to terms with the situational change. So for a moment, let's look at COVID-19. Do we keep pushing against it? This can't be happening. I don't need to take these precautions. I don't like being isolated or quarantined. Or do we use it as an opportunity to learn something about ourselves? We can ask ourselves, Will we take our lives for granted in the future when COVID-19 has come to an end? Will we continue to wash our hands as frequently? Will we be a culture that continues to wear masks in public? Will we be honest about the ramifications of not transmitting accurate information? Will we live together differently in other words, how has this affected our lives in community, or better or for worse? Have we found out that we can live more closely and enjoy each other without running about so much, without being in crowds, without being in need of so much entertainment or so much uh, consumerism? So transition is the process of letting go of the way things used to be, and then taking hold of the way they become. And in between the letting go and the taking hold, there is a chaotic but potentially creative neutral zone, when things are not the old way, but they're not quite the new way either. Chaos happens to be a piece of that neutral zone. It's a place of liminality, a place of living at the edge between what was and what is emerging. So the three phases of transition are endings, which is where the transition begins, that neutral zone or that space of liminality, and then when we have moved through that, We come to the beginning, and that is the beginning of the new way. We can have reactive transitions, which is what we are experiencing right now in terms of COVID 19. So we're reacting to something that has the potential to be very destructive worldwide, and we're trying to do something about it. Through that transition, we are also hopefully transforming our lives. And then we also have, in addition to reactive transitions, what are called developmental transitions. And they can happen any time in life. They are produced by a natural unfolding of those aspects of ourselves that are built right into who we are and how we are made. So this might be a call to be married, this might be a change in your lifestyle. It could be a call to look at a new uh, new work, new job, new moving on to something else. Those are examples of developmental transitions. Through them we're called to examine our lives together and to think differently. And we know that they're beginning to happen because life as it was is no longer fulfilling. So you meet the love of your life and over a period of time, you realize that the way you were and as a college student, as a young adult, whatever, is no longer fulfilling for you. You want something more, you want that companionship, you want that person to be there. And so you recognize that there are alternatives to the status quo. The same three phases take place in a developmental transition. You have an ending where you lose or you let go of your old outlook, your old attitude, or your old self-image. Your life feels as if it has broken apart or fallen dead. Nothing feels solid and sometimes in this stage we feel like anything is possible so go for it after that ending stage we come to the neutral zone and we make a move supposing you change careers you make that move your prior career was not fulfilling for you it didn't it just didn't do anything for you so you make that move and you begin a new career But of course, as you begin that new career, you don't exactly know what to expect or exactly how to fulfill what your boss or the people that you're working with want to see happen with this new person on the job. And so you enter there the neutral zone because it's very different from what you had before. And when you make that move and you get into that neutral zone, you can be thinking, oh, my gosh, what did I do? Why did I do this? Everything feels so unsteady in this neutral zone, in this space of liminality. Actually, you followed your best instincts, but you want to retreat because you now are in that chaotic area of the neutral zone and you're stuck there for a while. And then finally, when you move away from that neutral zone, you get into the stage of the beginning. And of course, the beginning is really the beginning of something that eventually will merge into an ending and the whole process will happen all over again. So if you think about this, that neutral zone is a place where you have left the ending but you have not yet taken on the new beginning. A friend of mine works for the circus, and she told me that in the circus, if you are training to be a trapeze artist, one of the things that you have to learn is that when you are letting go of your bar on the the trapeze, which of course is an ending of your security on that bar, and you're moving toward the person who's going to pick you up on the other bar, you cannot reach out to grab that person. You have to be able to stay in that neutral zone between the two trapezes until the person on the other end picks you up. If you reach out and grab the person on the other trapeze, you will throw off all of the balance and both of you will go down. Of course, the temptation would be to move toward that person on the other side. You want the security. That in-between time between the two trapezes is that neutral zone. It's that space of liminality. And it's a very difficult place to be because in that space of liminality, you are feeling as if you have nothing underneath you, nothing that is holding you steady, and you want to get out of it as quickly as you possibly can. So people who are in the neutral zone at any point in their lives certainly feel as if nothing is permanent and nothing is working out the way they want it to. However, that feeling of nothing being permanent and nothing being steady the way you would like it to be is also a place of great creativity. And so staying in that neutral zone, being aware of your feelings, being aware of all of the potential that it holds is very important, not rushing, to get to the new beginning so that you can start all over again, but taking advantage of that neutral zone. So the hallmarks of the transition process are the endings and the letting go. They are the first hallmarks that a person is in transition. We tend to look at these endings as events or as disasters to be averted when really they are signals that transition has commenced. And trying to turn them off is like turning off the alarm that woke you up in the morning. You're now awake. And so there's no point in turning it off, thinking that you can go back to bed for the day. So once you have those feelings of, life is not as fulfilling as it used to be, perhaps I need to move to something else, Those are signals to you that you are beginning a transition process. The danger in turning them off or averting them is that we fail to grasp the inner message. What is it that I have to let go of? What is it that I I need to, to just get rid of so that my life will continue to feel fulfilling? And the temptation is to not get that inner message and to take the outer change as the whole story. I want to refer you for a moment to Caravaggio's painting, The Call of Matthew. If you think of that painting, Matthew, who was the tax collector in the New Testament, was seated at a table with probably Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, people of the town, collecting the tax money. And Jesus came along, and he looked Matthew in the eye, and he asked Matthew to follow him. That was the change. That was the change. That was the outer event. Jesus said, follow me. However, the transition had probably started to take place before that outer event. Perhaps Matthew wasn't feeling feeling fulfilled. Perhaps he was getting pushback from the people in town or from the Pharisees and Sadducees. We don't know what it was, but there must have been something that was niggling at him on the inside, or else he wouldn't have stood up and followed that abruptly. So when Jesus called him, he stood up and he followed Jesus. That was the change. That was the outer event. However, if you look carefully at the picture, in front of Matthew was a, a sack money in it. When he got in it, when he got up to follow, he had to leave the sack on the table. He didn't take it with him. He had to, take, he had to leave it right there on the table. So leaving the sack on the table and becoming conscious of what he was leaving behind was part of that transition process. So, when we get into that neutral zone, when we realize that there are things that we need to leave behind, we have to think about them. We have to choose what is it that I'm going to leave behind as I'm ending something. And by leaving behind, I don't mean tangible things, I mean what are some of the internal opinions, processes. Feelings that I have that are important for me to leave behind on the table So that I can follow through with the transition process Another hallmark of the transition is not to speculate on the sender of the change Just explore what the message is for you if we had wasted all our time over the last nine months Speculating on where exactly COVID 19 came from and why this person was afflicted with it and this person was not, we would still be in the same place that we were nine months ago. However, if we explore what's the message for COVID 19 for us, certainly one message is to appreciate every day to the fullest extent that we're possible. Another message is to be careful, to be careful for ourselves, to be careful for all of the people with whom we come in contact. Another message is maybe we should be washing our hands more frequently, whether we have COVID-19 or not. Maybe we should be wearing masks, whether there are potentials for COVID-19 or not. Maybe we should be satisfied by staying at home and being with the people we love the most rather than running about and being busy about many things. So what's the message for you as you have transitioned through COVID-19? Another temptation is to spend a lot of time on why is this happening to me? Why in my family are people being diagnosed as having COVID-19, or why is so-and-so exposed and -and so-and-so not exposed? We can spend a lot of time on that particular subject, but it's only a distraction. What we need to be saying is, what's the message in the whole process for me? How is it being transformative for me as I move my way through this? And then finally, we have to examine what is it that I'm resisting? Am I resisting the control that's placed on me by not being able to go out to restaurants or not being able to fly if I need to, not being able to gather with many people as I used to? What is it that I'm resisting and why am I resisting that? When we come to the answer for that, the transformation that can happen in the midst of the transition becomes much more apparent to us. Now, some people can be addicted to change. They can run from one thing to another without ever processing what's going on inside of them. And the reason that they do that is they want to avoid the transition process they don't want to have to examine what's the transformation that's being called for in me during this transition process. So if you're somebody who's always eager to move from one change to the other, you need to examine, am I running away from something? Am I resisting the message that's underneath this change? And if so, to become more mindful of what is happening inside of you and how is that being transformative for you. The more things change, the more they remain the same, an old French proverb. However, if we transition, then we don't remain the same. That change has been transformative in our lives and we have learned something more about ourselves through that change. So I'd like to give you an example of the transition process. And for the example, I'm going to use the story of Moses in the book of Exodus. I'm sure you're all familiar with that story. Moses was the leader. He was the leader taking the people out of Egypt. The people were in bondage by the Egyptians. And so the fact that they felt that they were in bondage tells you that the transition, that the ending stage is starting. They're dissatisfied with the way things are. And this is always the case when an organization or a person is approaching change. They feel as if they're in bondage to something and they don't like it. In some sense, it is in bondage to an outlived way of doing things or thinking about things or evaluating things. So Moses looked for a way to let my people go, but he found out that wasn't as easy as it might appear at first blush. He found out that it was difficult to break the system's hold on the people, even though they felt that they were in bondage. If you think about the people, at some point in the journey through the desert they wanted to go back to Egypt they were tired of transitioning through this journey so even though they were dissatisfied with the system they wanted to go back to it because the this neutral zone that place of liminality felt so insecure to them and so sometimes we would rather stay in bondage then move into a neutral zone. So in the beginning of that ending stage, the hold actually tightens to stay with the old system, to stay in the old place. Now, Pharaoh is the symbol of the status quo. And he says not only will he not let the people go, but he'll make them do more with less. The people become aware of that and say no way. And so the ending stage begins. Now as usually happens when we go from the ending stage into the neutral zone, the plagues begin. Now our plagues are different from the plagues that were vested on the Israelites, but they are there nonetheless. What are our plagues? What are our transitions not not our transitions, but our temptations not to move forward, not to allow that transition process to to get underway. The underlying message of the plagues are always the same. The old ways are not working anymore. So our resistance only makes the plagues kick in even more and We need to be able to work our way through the plagues, through that neutral zone, through that space of liminality. That's a difficult message for the beneficiaries of the status quo to accept. That was a difficult message when the plagues were vested upon the Israelites. That was a difficult message for the Israelites to accept. And so they hardened their hearts and they wanted to go back and push the old way closer to destruction. Now, if you remember, Moses did not solve the problem for them. He actually let things escalate a little bit. And not only did he let them escalate, but he also at the same time protected his people from the full impact of the plagues by making a symbolic mark on the doorposts so that God's wrath would pass them by. This is an important management act for those of you who are in management, whether quote unquote management is rearing your family or living in community in some way, or your present employment. That is an important management act to handle things in such a way that the destruction of the old system, whatever you are trying to change, does not damage the elements from which the new system will be built. So Moses is managing everything by not allowing all that was in the old system to destroy or to become destroyed so that there's nothing to build the new system on. For our transition, this means identifying gathering together and educating the pivotal people who will help realize the new vision in your organization's promised land in your family's promised land in your own life's promised land so then the israelites fully move into that neutral zone they're fully in the desert now and they're wandering between two worlds between egypt which is dead to them and the promised land that's not quite fulfilled for them yet. That neutral zone is a time and a state of being in which old behaviors and attitudes begin to die out, and people go dormant for a while as they prepare to move in a new direction. Generally speaking, when we are in the neutral zone, we're tempted to beat a retreat back to the way things were because we're uncomfortable. But if we do that, we don't ever really change. As humans, we look for homeostasis. It's a mistake to seek it by going back. We will only achieve it by going forward. But we have to go through that neutral zone in order to be able to accomplish that. So we need a Red Sea event, which is of course what happened to the Israelites. And I wonder, could COVID-19 be a red sea event in our lives so that what prevailed for us before COVID-19, the old way of being is not going to work for us once we have come fully through COVID-19. The red sea event draws a line of no return between the ending and the neutral zone. Now, that old system will continue to try to follow us and pull us back, but it has to be broken by that Red Sea event. This is not denigrating the past. Sometimes we mistakenly think that, oh, well, if I I say that I was dissatisfied and that's why I moved into this change, in some way I'm denigrating the past. Not at all. The past did its job. It got us to where we are today. And it can't be rejected entirely. Remember, I said Moses used the management skill to not let what was in the past destroy what will happen in the future, but to take from the past what can work for him and the Israelites in the future. So what he did was he gathered Joseph's bones and brought them with him and tie the Israelites' current reality to the collective origins of the people. That neutral zone is a place of spiritual consciousness, a place of mindfulness. It's an invitation to experience our transcendent selves. Our transcendent self is not a way of escape, but a way of engagement with our real self and with others. So in that neutral zone, we say, what is the best ideal that I clung to in past transitions? And you put that to work for yourself in whatever your present transition is. And in that way, you allow that transition to be transformative for you. For Moses, the effect of that boundary event, that Red Sea event, was not just to keep the people from going back, but he had to keep the people in the wilderness long enough for them to be changed by the wilderness experience. And that wilderness experience is that neutral zone. It was always easier to take the people out of Egypt than to take Egypt out of the people. And only time in the neutral zone will help Moses to do that. Symbolically the old attitudes that were appropriate in Egypt must die and new ones must be generated so that the promised land will not just be a new Egypt it will be a whole different wonderful event so there are four dangers in the neutral three dangers in the neutral zone first is that the pull of nostalgia is great the second is we want to fly or take flight to weird answers. If you remember, while Moses was up on the mountain with God, the folks below were making idols, weird answers for how we're going to get through this. And then finally, we want to exit to greener fields while we're in this neutral zone, cop out altogether. If you recall, some of the Israelites jumped ship or jumped desert and went with other tribes that happened to pass them by. They got tired, it was an exit to what they thought would be a greener field. Then finally, we get through that neutral zone and we begin that new beginning. We transition out of our old identities into newer ones. Beginnings are life's way of saying yes. And as we begin, we need to remember our endings and the neutral zone. We need to bring what we learned through those endings and that neutral zone with us into the new beginnings. That will be the transformative process. Change won't change. It will always be there, but we can. Nothing is permanent except change. So I want to leave you with a couple questions. Is change a threat or is it an opportunity? Is it a danger or an invitation to challenge? We may have to surrender some of our illusions, but not our convictions or dreams. So which are your illusions and which are your convictions or dreams? Those are some things to keep in mind when you find yourself in a transition process. And to keep in mind that this process of transition has the potential to transform you in wonderful, wonderful ways. Thank you for your attention. And I hope this is helpful for you as you go through the transition process.
0: You've been listening to the Wellness Journey podcast. I hope today's topic, the power of change and transition, proved useful to you. You can find all our podcasts and get additional information and resources for clergy and religious by visiting our website at sjvcenter.org. We are the St. John Vianney Center, and our mission is you.